What a great time to be a Giant, be a fan of the Giants. Like we have something going here. We're building something special, and you know you can see it from the outside and inside. It's even more beautiful. Reflecting on everything that got me here, just to see that uniform, and you know I, I watched. That's the team I watched the most growing up. Cause my dad was a Giants fan. So once a Giant, always a Giant. For me, it's only a Giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by NorthJersey.com and The Record. I'm your host, Art Stapleton, and we are heading back to football. Five games left for the New York Giants. The bye week is over. Tommy DeVito is still the starting quarterback, and today's guest still has played every snap for the New York Giants on defense this year. It's co-captain, first-year Giant, Bobby O'Karake. And he joins me not just once, but for two interviews for today's show. We did a quick one in the locker room on Wednesday after practice, but because of everything that he was working on after practice, uh, just trying to catch up this week, we decided that we would talk again on Thursday for more expanded stuff. Uh, try to do a bigger picture takeout on Bobby O'Karake, uh, his journey here, everything he does on and off the field. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. I did something on the best free agents to, to sign with the Giants. That was my top 10. came out on NorthJersey.com on Wednesday. And it was really sparked by a conversation in the locker room about Bobby O'Karake and considering where he is and his impact this season, uh, where historically, if this were to continue, where he would fit. So make sure you check out that piece. Uh, I'll also have another piece on Bobby O'Karake, a column on him and and his impact here, uh, more on O'Karake. But you have more than 20 minutes with Bobby O'Karake today, uh, so I hope you enjoy it on this show. Uh, he's really, really made an impact with the Giants, and I know 4-8 and eight, is anyone really making a ton of impact. Uh, you can certainly have that argument as a fan, uh, but within every team, there are players who really transcend the game. And Okereke has done that to this point. Uh, and really an interesting story uh, going from, you know, California, had not played football until high school, was more of a soccer player. Uh, as we touched on a little bit in the interview, his parents were uh, Nigerian immigrants. So he was a first-generation Nigerian-American here. He and his three sisters uh he ended up going to Stanford, played for David Shaw there, then drafted by the Colts, and then obviously in free agency signs a four-year, $40 million contract with the Giants this offseason, voted co-captain, and has really helped transform the inside linebacker position for the Giants, uh, really going back probably until uh, Antonio Pierce as far as a player who has had that kind of impact. Now, granted, you'd want to be eight and four rather than four and eight. Uh, but I really think if he stays healthy, Bobby O'Karake, uh has the difference he's made in that position. You'll really start seeing dividends 
uh, next season and the year after that, if this Giants team can stay together. That'll bring up to Friday. We'll hear from Wink Martindale for the first time uh, since the report from Jay Glazer about the relationship between Wink and Dable and how it was, quote, in a bad place. Dable's had his piece. He's really fired off a couple jokes about it. Has kind of blown it off. Joe Shane has kind of downplayed it as well. This will be Wink's opportunity. I wouldn't expect uh, too grandiose of a show from Wink, but uh, he is a straight shooter at times. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he answers questions on Friday. Make sure you keep it where it is on NorthJersey.com and follow me on social media at art underscore Stapleton. Uh, and we'll have that. And then obviously on Monday when we do our pregame podcast, uh, we'll have our thoughts on Wink if there's something to talk about on that front. So without further ado, let me set you up here. This is the first part of our interview with Bobby O'Karake. It was at his locker yesterday after practice. And as I'm writing in the column, the scene was pretty pretty interesting everything going around around everything going on around him in the locker room and there's Bobby Okereke sitting at his locker flipping through his tablet and going over practice film from that day's practice and that's where we started up there I asked Bobby about that and then we'll get into his impact football wise uh, so here's Bobby Okereke. Part of the question I want to ask you was this, because I noticed early in the year you started walking around with it more and more. Yeah. What do you get out of that? Um, I mean, for me, I guess it's just peace of mind. <laughs> right after the coming off the practice field, just watching the film and um, just seeing corrections for the day, seeing what we did good, what we did bad, um, individually and collectively. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I just try to be a student of the game and just, you know, keep learning, keep learning the scheme, just digesting it so that, you know, when I'm on playing on Sunday, it's just second nature and I'm not really thinking, I'm just reacting. Is that more cerebral than anything else? I mean, is that part of your studying plan? When did you start doing that? Um, I probably started it as I came in the league. I mean, I when I was a rookie, I had a guy, Anthony Walker, two years ahead of me, and, you know, he really just set the example of just, like, practice notes, understanding um you know, the opponent's tendencies and schemes and um, what percentage of personnel they're in um, and really just understand the game from a cerebral standpoint. So uh, I've really just leaned into that. When you look at the impact you've been able to have to this point, I mean, we talked to you last week about everything you're fighting for to be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as comfort level, I mean, I know you've had good seasons before, but yep. is this about as, as well as you've played, do you think, since you've been in the league? For sure. I mean, I've probably made um, maybe some more, you know, highlight-worthy splash plays in my career, but I think just collectively uh, from a season campaign standpoint, um, this is just the most impact that I've had. What I got, nine TFLs, eight PBUs, four forced fumbles, two interceptions, 113 tackles right now. Like, this is by far the best I've played up to this point, so uh, it's encouraging. People can say tackles are uh, can be misleading in this league. Yeah, the high tackle number, but until you watch the guy on film, how do you rate your tackles? Uh, 
Um, I mean, I think I'm a guy who's generally at the point of attack um, most of the time. Um, I mean, I'm sideline to sideline. I get a lot of solo tackles. Um, and I'd say with me, you know, I get a lot of ta tackles, but I'm also, you know, also getting those splash plays, pass defense, tackles for loss, forced fumbles. So, um, you know, creating impact in that in that way as well. Did you feel a switch flipped at all for you at some point this season to get in? Uh, for sure. You know, I would say maybe after in between like San Fran and Miami, I think that was um, just kind of when I started feeling a little bit more comfortable um, and just started trusting uh, my playmaking ability more and just understanding where I fit in the scheme to go make plays. So uh, it's been it's been a fun process, a growth process. So that was Bobby in the locker room on Wednesday after practice, but there was still more to touch on. So we were able to connect on Thursday and have a very good conversation, a phone conversation. Uh, so that's why the audio is different between the locker room and uh, the interview that we conducted by phone. Uh, and again, I appreciate his time. So I think you'll enjoy more of an insight of who is Bobby Okereke, where he came from, why he's doing the things he does off the field, uh, his commitment to the community. Uh, pretty cool stuff, pretty interesting stuff. So without further ado, let's bounce to the second interview with Bobby Okereke, part two, if you will, uh, for this week's show. Well, obviously, it's at that time of year where we hear a lot about community and how important it is to, to everyone, the holiday season. And uh, knowing what I know about the guys in the Giants locker room, everyone has their uh, connection to community. And I wanted to talk to Bobby Okereke uh, for everything that he's been doing in the community, some interesting stuff, and just how he's kind of immersed himself in North Jersey and the New York City area and, you know, what, what it means on and off the field. So, Bobby's with me now. Uh, when you hear that, Bobby, how important is it for you to kind of be a part of the fabric uh, of this city and the surrounding area? It's huge. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed to play this game and really just because of the fans and, you know, the amazing people that support me on game day and, you know, throughout this whole process. So uh, I feel the huge need to give back. Um, I was part of the Boy Scouts of America growing up my whole life. Uh, I'm an Eagle Scout, and it's always just been imparted on me, just the need for community service and community development. So um, I just feel uh, really just, just the need and the drive to do my part. What does community service mean to you? Because so many guys do it in so many different ways. You know, it's different, you know, different avenues for guys to express themselves and to give back. For you... Has it kind of evolved through the years of what it means? I would imagine the people you deal with, the people you meet, kind of shed light on certain things that kind of open your eyes to different things as far as the impact in the community goes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, for me, it's always started with community service projects. Um, whether I'm building something that's going to be lasting in the community or whether I'm going uh, to a homeless shelter and give, giving out food or donating clothes. Um, for me, the, the physical work um, has been a big part of it. And I feel like now as I'm in my fifth year, um, as I'm making a bigger name for myself um, in this league, um, I think the relationships um, and the networking is a huge part of it so that um, I can build, you know, lasting foundations 
uh, lasting pipelines of give back uh, to, to, to make a, a big influence in the community that's, you know, supporting me so much. Now, I know one of the things you did earlier this season was the reading room, right? In Clifton with the Boys and Girls Club? Yeah. What, what's that like when you, you stand in front of a room or you're sitting in front of a room in front of kids and, you know, some guys know you, some guys don't, you know, the, the kids are kind of looking to you. Uh, how does that evolve through the years? Because I would imagine at some point in your life, you're in the audience watching someone else uh, kind of give you that advice or that, you know, that memory that is going to be a lasting one. A hundred percent. And, you know, you go back to whether it's like middle school rallies or or high, high school um, meetings in the auditorium. And, you know, when you have those speakers come by and they're either talking to you about drugs and alcohol, they're talking to you about reading and education, or they're talking to you about giving back to the community. Um, those are really core memories and things that stand out to me. So uh, when I get the chance, you know, to, to meet kids, to talk to kids and try to impart some, some wisdom on them, um, I try to keep it fun and lighthearted, definitely keep it a, 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 a make sure it's a memory that they're going to remember and it'll, that'll stick out. Uh, but I just try to make it as positive as possible. Um, just impart to them, you know, the need to focus on education, um, whether they want to go down the entrepreneurial route or they want to go to a trade school or they want to go to college, um, just try to open, uh, expand their, um, their, their thinking and, the, and their perspective and their decision-making and really just try to um, be a positive influence on them. You know, I, I was telling you before we got together and, and talked, and I, I got to say, I do appreciate you doing this on your off day. You guys have a, a you know a funky schedule with Monday Night Football, so I definitely appreciate it. We talked in the locker room yesterday about football, and now we're talking about, you know, everything else that makes you who you are. I was watching a, a, the mini documentary that you did back when, I guess it was going into year two with the Colts, about your family, about your upbringing, upbringing, and I saw, you know, some signs calling you the Nigerian nightmare, which I thought was was great when you started playing in high school. But I would imagine family was a huge part for you growing up and getting into this position. Uh, and I know, as you said on that, you know, on that video, the idea that you know your parents came from, you know, humble means. I mean, came here uh, from Nigeria. How much of your early days and being in a you know in a family with I think it was three sisters right to yeah. to be in that situation to see how hard your parents were working to get to this point um, how much does that lend to all the efforts that you're trying to make now? Uh, it lends a huge bit um, just for me to feel how fortunate um, how lucky and uh, really blessed I am just to have the upbringing I have um, to have the resources and support that I have. Um, my parents grew up in Nigeria, which um, I mean, is, is a true third world country. Um, you know, they grew up walking to school barefoot, um, not having many pairs of clothes or even shoes, and really just, you know, did everything they can to come to America and uh, try to give their kids the American dream uh, of opportunity and, um, yeah, just having that in, in the back of my mind just you know how, how much my parents struggled to get me here um it really just left me with a no excuses mentality um they always basically told me and my sisters that if we can make it to here from you know the humble beginnings that we, we, we grew up in then you guys have no excuse and no reason not to chase all your dreams so uh that's been a huge driving and motivating factor for me in my life one of the cool initiatives that you you've been working on uh what you know over the last couple of weeks was with 
MVMI sleep. And, you know, the idea of the city never sleeps, with turn that into the city that does sleep because of how much you knew, you know, rest and mental health and, and how important that was to the community. Tell me a little bit about the initiative that you've been working on and, um, you know, why is it why is it something that you felt like you wanted to be a part of? Yeah. Uh, so Mummy Sleep um, is a company. It was started in this incubator program at Cal Berkeley. Um, the founder, Joe Castagnani, um, you know, came up with the design for the pillow, uh, came up with the, the, the thought of the company and, you know, won that program, you know, earned some funding, got his pillow into um, some hotels and now is really just trying to take off with this company and, you know, this initiative here in New York City. And for me as an investor, someone on the advisory board, um, it's just, it, it aligns perfectly. Um, you know, I do such a, I, I try to do such a good job of you know, focusing on my body and, and, and taking care of my mental, physical, emotional health. And really the, the foundational piece of all that is sleep. Um, you know, sleep is the number one recovery tool for athletes. Um, sleep is the number one wellness tool for just human beings in general. So. Uh, for me to feel my best self, for me to feel my most energized self, uh, to play out there at a high level and to give back to people, uh, it starts for me getting great sleep, eight to nine hours of sleep a day for sure. And uh, that pillow uh, definitely helps me get great sleep. It's a great pillow. It's very comfortable. And, you know, we're working on doing a give back um, initiative, whether it's with homeless or uh, foster care children. But, um, yeah, there's just so much opportunity uh, here in New York City, and we're excited about it. How, talk about the challenge of, of finding the, the right spot, because like you said, I got to imagine that you get so eager to be able to do everything. And with your schedule, especially during the season, it's not easy to do that, but you still find time not only to get eight or nine hours of sleep, which I have no idea how you manage that, but, <laughs> but uh, just, just the idea, like you just mentioned, I mean, you mentioned two, you know, key areas of the community that you want to, you want to help out. I mean, I don't know if there's an appreciation for just an average person like me to, you know, how you're trying to, you know, figure out the best way to contribute and to be a part of, you know, that effort. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that, I think that's a tough thing because, you know, people talk about a healthy work-life balance. Um, and, you know, for us in football, you know, you, you split it up into off-season and, 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 and in-season. And, you know, off-season is truly your time to decompress, get away, travel, um, maybe put some more time into off-the-field endeavors. But uh, when you're in season, you know, you kind of really got to lock down and go zero to 30 mode. And um, David Shaw, my coach at Stanford, um, you know, he was such an important mentor for me in my life. But... Uh, his number one mantra for us was just simplify your life. Um, you know, try to eliminate all the distractions and really just keep, you know, the three or four very important things in your life, especially in football season, because it is so demanding physically and emotionally. So um, obviously football, doing what I can to prepare and put myself, you know, in position to perform very well on game day, that's priority number one. Um, but two, obviously, you know, giving back to this community that's, you know, supporting me and giving and, and, and giving me so much in this opportunity. And then, you know, three, just making sure I'm always, you know, reaching out to my family and, you know, being, being a supportive brother and a supportive son. 
the uh, the Mike Claus, Mike Cleats is coming up for you guys on Monday night, and I, I wanted to ask you about that and how do you know how does that process work? Because it's not easy to just narrow something down and choose what you're going to support. Uh, what what are you supporting on Monday night? And and you know, tell me a little bit about why you chose to go down that road. Yeah. Um, so for me, you know, authentic relationships and you know, working partnerships have always been you know key for me. Just, you know, be integrated into my process and make things work seamlessly. So. Uh, my marketing agent, uh, Joe McGrawby, um, you know, I asked him about some local, you know, organizations in New Jersey that uh, he's either worked with or he's heard good things about. And so he sent me a couple. And one that really stood out to me was uh, SBH. Um, and SBH is an organization that works in Jersey, the New York area. And they really just, you know, try to have their hand in all parts of giving back and supporting, you know, the Jersey community, whether it's their SBH career division, SBH client division, SBH food division, SBH mental health, SBH um, Jersey branch. They they have so many different organizations that uh, have their hands in giving back to so many different people that I thought was an amazing organization for me to partner with and have, you know, hopefully a lasting impact with. That's really cool because it's one of those things where because you're looking for something to be a part of the My Cause, My Cleats, that you're kind of, you know, you're doing your own investigation, but it's also educating you to some organization that you really hadn't heard of before. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's an opportunity for me to get integrated into the community, and it's an opportunity for me to get back and do great work. Uh, I go back to that, that Colts Life video that I was watching, and what I didn't realize is that you were in the choir and something that stuck out to me, kind of uh, what you said at the time on that video brought me back to our conversation yesterday about football and your impact, uh, not only on this defense, but on this team this year. So I wanted to throw that back at you. The, the idea of what you, you know, the, the lessons that being a part of a choir taught you about how your voice is only one voice, but a choir requires all voices to be together. Um, I thought that was very interesting. And, and did I pick up on that? The idea that that really does play into your mentality on the football field? No, that's, that's spot on. Um, obviously, you know, 11 players on defense, everybody has their individual role and you got to play your role to the best of ability, but you know, you're, you're not out there individually. You're out there like with a choir, you're out there with 11 other guys. And um, you got to make sure that, you know, the job that you're doing is, is syncing up and aligning with the job that other people are doing. So you can't just be individually focused. You have to focus on what everybody else is doing, how what your job is doing is supporting them and um, really just making sure, you know, it, it's a cohesive group and it, it, it really is one band, one sound. It just sounds like one symphony. It's not... It's, it's kind of the old adage, but, you know, the sum of the parts is um, equal or, or greater than, you know, the individual pieces. And you, you actually played at Carnegie Hall. Did I hear that right? I did. I think my sophomore and junior year in, in high school, um, yeah, we had a choir field trip and we sang at Carnegie Hall. It was amazing. The acoustics in Carnegie Hall are insane. And, you know, for us to go there and see other choirs and symphonies perform. Um, it was just a beautiful experience. So, did, have you let have you let the guys in in the locker room know that you you know you have a pretty good voice? I mean, I would imagine to be a part of a choir, you got to be able to <laughs> belt some tunes, no? Yeah, I mean, 
mean, I'm I'm always playing music on on my speaker in my locker room. I mean, guys are probably walking past and hearing me sing in different moments, but. Um, yeah, I, I try to keep most of my, my, my vocals for the football field. <laughs> <laughs> well, if the rookies flipped it on the vets what, and made you sing like you guys normally do with the rookies, what would be your go-to? Ooh. Um, that's a good one. There's this new artist, Friday, and he came out with this new album, and I think I'd have to pick a song off there. Um, that's probably what I've been singing for the past, you know, three weeks. <laughs> What you bet? What what kind of is it? Is it R and B? Is it what what kind of? What, yeah, it's what R&B. kind of music? Um, R and B. I mean, maybe you could categorize it as jazz a little bit. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, listen, I don't want to let you go before I ask you about uh, you know the Pro Bowl voting came out yesterday, and you know you're clearly near the top uh, of the fan voting as we get out of the gates here. Uh, I'm just curious what that would mean to you in your first year here. Uh, f- you know, to be in the Giants and to get recognized, not just by the fans, but, uh, you know, some guys kind of, you know, downplay the idea of the Pro Bowl nowadays and talk more about all pro. I'm just curious for your perspective. Uh, you played every snap this year. You know, you fought through injuries. I know the, the season isn't where you want it to be record-wise in the standings, but um, from your perspective, what are you trying to do these last five games, and what what would that mean to you to to get an acknowledgement from the Pro Bowl? Yeah, it would it would mean a lot. Uh, it would be extremely humbling. Um, you know, I have a lot of gratitude for it. It, it, it really would be a testament to my teammates um, who have done an incredible job welcoming me in in my first year, making me feel comfortable, um, supporting me, and um, really just enabling me to go out there and play on game day. Um, you know, I feel comfortable. I feel confident when I'm out there because I know I got 10 other guys on defense supporting me and I got a whole another offense and special teams that, you know, if I'm not playing my best ball at that moment, you know, they're going to do their best to have my back and I'll have theirs. So um, it'll just mean a lot, especially my first year here in New York for, you know, fans to embrace me and welcome me and vote for me like that. Um, it, it, it just, you know, warms my heart knowing that um, uh, my impact here has been felt. Bobbio, we ran the gamut. We went from community to football, wrapped it up, choir, Eagle Scout. Uh, it's been fun watching you so far this year, and obviously uh, happy and a healthy holiday season to you and your family, and I look forward to uh, seeing you out there on Monday night. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it, Art. Thank you. Great time on the show, and uh, yeah, we'll see you on Monday night. Thanks again to Bobby Okereke for joining me, giving me his time both yesterday after practice and then on his off day today. Remember the Giants with the Monday Night Football game. Brian Dable uh, took the schedule that they used in Buffalo. Uh, They came back from the bye week on Monday, uh, had a walkthrough and meetings. Then on Tuesday, they practiced. Wednesday they practiced, and then today is off. They'll return to the practice field tomorrow on Friday, and then Saturday they will also practice. Sunday will be their normal day before the game, and then Monday night football on ABC locally. Don't look for it on ESPN. It's a doubleheader. The Titans and the Dolphins are on ESPN, and the Giants and Packers are on ABC. So if you're in the New York area, make sure you look for that game on ABC. Uh, So, you know, 
I, as I said to Bobby, I think it's very interesting this time of year. We always get tons of emails about players who are involved in community, community activism and what they're doing for, you know, for the masses around the holiday season. And, uh, it's really great. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't become numb to it. I think the stories are just, are incredible. Uh, and the more we see it, the more you see the reaction, the more you talk to players, uh, beyond, uh, just getting a press release, uh, it matters. Had the opportunity to talk to Saquon Barkley a couple weeks ago about, uh, just briefly about, you know, his role in the community. Um, and, you know, Saquon is now the Giants nominee for the second straight year for the Walter Payton Man of the Year award. So congratulations to him. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy when you look at the Walter Payton Man of the Year award. You know, you need to promote teams need to promote guys to win that award. And that's something that always made Eli Manning uncomfortable because he never wanted to promote his community work. And I think a lot of players are the same. Uh, but then there's the flip side to it. The more you promote, the more attention it gets. And that adds to the involvement uh, and the impact. So you kind of walk that fine line. You're not looking for publicity, but you also want it to be out there because you want the community that you're serving uh, to receive the kind of attention, the positive attention that you're trying to lend to it. So uh, again, best of luck to Saquon in the Walter Payton Man of the Year uh, award chase, if you will. But every nominee for every team, and they make the, the point to say it every year, is worthy. Uh, so it's not necessarily an award that you win and beat out 31 other players who lose. Uh, it's really about doing, you know, doing the service that Walter Payton and his family have continued to do with the NFL, uh, since his passing and, and everything that they do in the community. So, um, you know, again, congrats to Saquon. It's always a fun thing every year to see the players who are nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year and to be nominated two years in a row. Uh, it says a lot about Saquon and the efforts he's made in the community. So, again, thanks to Bobby Okereke for kind of shedding some light on the things that he's looking to do. I thought it would be fun to kind of, you know, have him reveal a little bit of who he is uh, because he has become such a an important part of this team, even at four and eight. Uh, what he's done this season uh, has been very good uh, and, you know, transcendent in terms of that position. I know when Blake Martinez was here his first year, he had an outstanding year as well at inside linebacker. We, it's hard to look at what Blake, did that first year and then not talk about his career here with the Giants in totality. Obviously, the ACL injury kind of knocked that trajectory down. You hope for Bobby's sake that this is just the start of something big for him and, and when his career, you know, in the Giants uniform is, you know, comes to an end, that he will continue to make the kind of impact that he wants to make and the Giants believe he can make. So heading into Monday, uh, injury reports came out on Thursday for the Giants. It was projection. But as Brian Dable said on Wednesday, he's hopeful that Dexter Lawrence is on the field Friday. 
uh, for practice. He did not practice Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, Dexter was projected as a limited participant on Thursday, even though they didn't practice. They have to release an injury report. So that's a good sign for Dexter just to be back on the field. We'll have to see how his hamstring responds and to see if he's out there Friday and Saturday and has a chance to play on Monday. Um, the 49ers, uh, 49ers, <laughs> got 49ers on the brain after last week's game against the Eagles. But the Packers, uh, Christian Watson, wide, second year wide receiver, uh, had a great game against the Chiefs on Sunday night, tweaked his hamstring. He did not practice today. Uh, telling reporters in Green Bay, doesn't anticipate it being an extended period of time off, but did not know about Monday. I got to imagine with a hamstring, he's not coming back on Monday. Uh, Aaron Jones has a knee. Uh, he was a limited participant. He did not play last week. Uh, AJ Dillon has a groin running back for the Packers. So we'll see if he plays. Uh, so extended injury report for the Packers uh, today. Giants. Less so, the only player that did not practice was Evan Neal, uh, and we don't expect to see him. I'll leave you with this. Talk to Darren Waller on Tuesday and yesterday. On Tuesday, he told me he started running routes, felt good. Yesterday, talked to him. They did not run routes yesterday, but it was part of his plan. He should be doing more on Friday and Saturday. Still working with the trainers. He's hopeful that he gets activated next week for practice. He said the only thing he hasn't done yet is go up against the defender, and that will come in practice. Uh, and then he's hopeful that if all goes well next week, he could make his return in New Orleans against the Saints uh, next Sunday for the Giants. So keep an eye on Waller for next week. Uh, that'll do it. So I appreciate everyone tuning in, as always, and listening. Hope you enjoyed the Okereke episode. I certainly feel like I got more of a picture as to who he is and where he came from and what he wants to accomplish here with the Giants. Uh, so I hope you did, too. I know you're all in. As always, I appreciate it. We're all in as well. We'll talk to you on Monday. Enjoy the weekend.